The Empire is in chaos. As the old order crumbles, the fledgling New Republic seeks a swift end to the galactic conflict. Many Imperial leaders have fled from their posts, hoping to escape justice in the farthest corners of known space. Pursuing these Imperial deserters are Nora Wexley and her team of unlikely allies. As more and more officers are arrested, planets once crushed beneath the Empire's heel now have hope for the future. And no hope is greater than that of the Wookiees of Kashyyyk. Heroes of the Rebellion, Han Solo and Chewbacca, have gathered a team of smugglers and scoundrels to free Kashyyyk from its Imperial slavers once and for all. Meanwhile, the remnants of the Empire, now under the control of Grand Admiral Ray Sloan and her powerful secret advisor, prepare to unleash a terrifying counter-strike. If successful, the New Republic may never recover, and anarchy will be loosed upon the galaxy in its greatest time of need. fans and moof milkers everywhere and welcome to episode number 31 of blast points and today we're doing uh something real special just a little mini episode where we're talking about chuck wendig's book life debt the second book in the aftermath trilogy it came out a couple weeks ago and i feel like we're pretty safe to openly discuss it at this point but obviously if you haven't read it already if you haven't read life debt or you're curious about it don't listen to this one because I, I feel like we're going to get pretty in-depth with some stuff of the book here. And joining me for this discussion of Life Debt is from the podcast Positively Nerdy, Mr. Ryan Porter. Ryan, how you doing? I'm great, Jason. Thank you so much for having me on Blast Points. This is truly an honor. Second book, Aftermath Trilogy, like I said before, we both read Aftermath. Did you read it when it first came out? Uh, I picked it up uh, Force Friday and mm-hmm. read it. Relatively shortly thereafter, I remember taking it up north to read that Labor Day weekend. So, uh, however far away that was removed from Force Friday. What were your thoughts on Aftermath? Well, I, I keep I try to keep my ear pretty close to the ground on on Star Wars and social media and stuff. And there was a lot clash. Uh, you know, it promised Wedge, and then he was barely in it. And then I sat down to read it, and it was present tense, which really threw me. Don't read a lot of novels like that. And then. 
it really took, I would say, almost half the book for me to really get into it. Mm -hmm. And by the time I was done with it, though, I was like, I don't want to be done with these characters. This is great. And I actually messaged uh, Chuck Wendig on Twitter and said the same thing to him. He's like, well, good news. It's a trilogy. I had no (laughs) idea at that time. So, Yeah. I mean, it it was a difficult book to kind of and it was tricky too because that was september and we were just months away from the force awakens and anticipation was at such a fever pitch sure and this is a book that had it's very much its own style very very it was our first trip in the new canon post jedi yeah so there's a lot riding on this because actually i read this before lost stars thinking well this is this is the one i've got to read before Force Awakens. If I don't get to Lost Stars until after, that's fine. But this is the one I've got to read, and I kind of felt uh, let down about, like I said, about halfway through it. I was like, I made the wrong choice. <laughs> <laughs> and I, it, it took me a while with Aftermath to kind. Of, I don't know what the point was with it, where I got in the groove, but I kind of felt like at a certain point, we just kept getting introduced to all these new characters. It wasn't kind of until the end where you started to see the team start to gel, and you're like, oh, okay, I'm, I'm getting how all these characters work. Together. Right. And it was there was Jess and Jan, so that wasn't confusing at all. Yeah, and right. Sinjir had multiple names, so that wasn't confusing at all. Going into life debt, what were your what were your thoughts? What were your expectations on what you thought life debt could be, should be? Well, I like I said, I, I, I really liked the characters by the time I finished Aftermath. And it was one of those books I always meant to go back and reread after watching Force Awakens and never did. Yeah. But I put it in my lap and I just sat there and I had to like psych myself up. I'm like, been through this. I know these characters already. I know Wendig's style already. This is be fine. It was like a pep talk to myself. And mm-hmm. then I started reading it and I got, I had the same problem with Aftermath. I couldn't believe it. Like, how did I, what is it with his style that I got so sucked into the same trap, even though I knew it was coming. And it wasn't until about a hundred or so pages in that I really this really took off for me again. And I don't know if it was the repetition of reminding us who these characters were, because Nora is great. I love Nora as a character, but Nora worries about the same things over and over again. So yeah. I, and, and she kind of stopped doing that mm-hmm. at a certain point in this book. So I don't know if it was that. I don't know if it was the reminders of everything that happened the first time around that I knew, so I didn't need those reminders, which you really shouldn't be pushing on me uh, the second time around. I, I can't really put my finger on what it was, but it, it took me about 100 pages or so to really get flowing on it. And then I did. And then I was right with those characters. And the Halo crew is fantastic. And new motivations. They really developed these guys really well. I mean, where they all, the first one versus where they all end up by the end of the second one is nuts. Like, never would have thought of that. Sure. So I, I'm glad I, I pushed through. And it, but it did, it did take a while again. There is something about his style that's a little bit, you got to earn it, I guess is the best way to put it. <laughs> See, I, yeah, I, I'm almost the opposite where I, I started reading Life Debt, and I was just like, I hadn't read Aftermath since it had come out, since I finished it then, and I was, I felt like I was right back into it, and I felt, I was like, I like these characters now, at least for me. Like, right away in the whole beginning, with where they were locked in cages, and it was all really weird, and there was like some bird alien with a key around its neck. I was just, oh, that was, yeah. That was. <laughs> it was wild. It was a wild opening, but I was like, you know what? I, I remember all these characters, and I felt like... I, you had situations in the beginning that eased you back into this is who this this person is, but we're done giving you chapters and chapters and chapters of setting them up. Singer is the ex imperial guy. Okay, good enough. I, I remember that. Okay, good. Right here we go. Let's send him out on an adventure. Personally, I felt life debt was snappier 
than Aftermath. I felt it was faster paced. I didn't mind the interludes in Aftermath, but there were there are less of them in Life Debt. Yeah, I, the interludes were really interesting to me this time around because uh, the first time around, you assume that everything is this gigantic clue. Mm-hmm. Because we're in that, like you said, that kind of sweet spot right before Force Awakens. Sure. And I'm reading way too much in, like, the, the final chapter in Aftermath. I mean, you go see the movie later, and you're like, well, that was Snoke she was talking to, right? Sure. Of course it was, but no, it wasn't. And you kind of realize, or at least I did, uh, as I start to get the Aftermath, that Chuck Wendig is just, you know, he's borrowing characters like Han and Chewie and Leia, but he's really just doing his own thing. And I don't mean that as a criticism at all. So the second time around, I'm enjoying those a lot more as some of them I'm, I'm, I'm overreaching, but some of them I'm just like, you know what? This is just a cool little tidbit of, hey, what happened to the Rancor trainer? Yeah, yeah, now, that, that now, was great. Now we know. The, the two that really got me, and I don't know if these stood out to you or not, but one was just a way to get Maz in, I think, with the, uh, the Imperial and the, the, the Rebel, or I guess the New Republic guy, fighting and talking about the the rebels doing things or the the uh, new republic doing things the new republic doesn't normally do, and then there was the interlude with the like the TV news crew essentially yeah with the uh, ties suicide bombing and I wanted so much more of that I'm like why are these two factions acting so different than they normally do and maybe uh, Empire Z will answer that question but to me that's like this carrot that Wendig is dangling out there that I just I've got to get my hands on it. Like that was, those were the two for me. Cause like, again, um, and I should know his name, but I don't Rancor keeper interlude was great. Mandalorian armor telling us that the Sarlacc pit was basically dying, which yeah, obviously opens up the window for, you know, who the way the Jawas were like, like taking these partially digested, uh, bits out of the Sarlacc pit to, you know, go do the Jawa thing with like, that was awesome. But those two in particular really stood out to me of the why aren't the the new republic and the imperials acting like they should and what what is going on there to make that happen and then did you catch the one with uh, uh ryloth with uh, yendor yeah yeah it's basically like a precursor to bloodline which mm-hmm. was pretty awesome so yeah the interludes this time around i was able to enjoy them more kind of on the surface instead of going all conspiracy theory on, well, clearly we just got introduced to Stoke, but sure. that's not happening. <laughs> I really, I really liked in the, the Maz interlude, she has that one line where she tells the Imperial guy that the empire is dead, but things grow from dead things or things. Yes. And I was just like, oh, that's, and they're like nasty new things you never expected or something like that. And I was like, wow, that is what a great way to put that, you know? <laughs> yeah. I mean, he, it's not just the Halo crew. Uh, obviously, Han, Chewie, Wedge, Leia, Maz. And Maz is only in the one interlude, but man, he nailed her. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Like it, nailed how, her. How like, she... Probably better than any of the other characters. And I'm, I'm going to be a little critical on his interpretation of Leia because I was such a huge fan of Bloodline. Mm-hmm. And maybe following right behind Bloodline and trying to do Leia after that, that's kind of an unfair situation to be put in. Mm-hmm. But he nailed Maz. I thought his interpretation of her was dead on. Yeah, and as far as um, the classic characters, Life Debt has a lot more of them in it. Right. It's, it has, it has, you know, pretty much in the halfway point, Han Solo becomes a major character. Like you were saying, Leia is all over the place. But it's interesting you, you talk about Leia because compared to Bloodline, it's like you, you, and I feel like there's a story that needs to be tell, told with Leia after this trilogy and before 
bloodline. I don't know if we won't get it until after this, some of the new films are out, but like there's, you're, you're kind of reading my mind because, uh, Leia's pregnant in this one. And yeah. You did say spoilers, so. but there's the whole, there's a, there's so much like that, that again, to use that metaphor, that carrot dangling going on with Leia being pregnant with who we all know becomes Kylo Ren. Sure. And he's grown up in bloodline. And I think that to me is like my favorite part. Cause I, I was really into the books, the old legends, whatever you want to call it, for mm-hmm. a long time, mm-hmm. and then fell off because there was just too much. Yeah. And now we're at a, at, at a nice point where book releases feel special, mm-hmm. and there's all these little things going back and forth between. There's a, a clear, concise timeline that authors get to, to use in their stories, and Kylo, Ben, whatever you want to call him, his, his uh, Han Solo – even though here he's not even born, and in Bloodline he's not even around, kind of not hard to see where that comes from. Oh yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah. It's it's one of those little like just little bits, but it's something you totally eat up. Yeah, the pieces are all in place where you're like, okay, there's a point where Leia fully expects Han to come home. The mission's done, right? And Han doesn't come home. Yeah, he's still out there, still doing his thing because in his mind. There's still work for him to do. And yeah, you wonder what that story really is after Ben is born. Just to know that like the pieces are in motion and this is all part of the same chessboard, that's pretty awesome. Yeah. So if you if you if you kinda want the little backstories and start piecing that and you know, Return of the Jedi to Force Awakens, I mean this is the this is your best bet for it. I know there's some comics that take place in between, but this thing this really feels significant and i and i thought there's a few little mentions of luke but i thought that that was absolutely fascinating as anything we get on luke skywalker now is but the fact that he's he's gone he's been gone for a while uh he's trained leia in kind of the basics of force meditation Mm -hmm. and leia at times doesn't know if she's hearing, if she's telling herself to calm, to calm herself, if that's her, if she's hearing that, or if it's Luke talking oh, to her, that was great, yeah. Uh, and that she uses the force; she knows it's a boy because of the force. And at least that was the impression I got. Yeah. But, I mean, I like how present Luke is in this, but he's still not around. Yeah. Because again, nothing expanded universe, whatever you want to call the books and stuff. Now, and I know he was in Shattered Empire, and obviously he's in the. The Star Wars, the main comic book series, but anything post Jedi, we're not getting any Luke Skywalker, any of that. No, that is that is they are not showing any of those cards, and it can be frustrating, but that's what's going to make it. That's what's going to make Eight so awesome. Oh, absolutely, <laughs> <laughs> absolutely. Uh, so one of the new characters we are introduced to in Life Death, we got we hinted at him in Aftermath, but is of course Gallius Rax, which. There's been a lot of talk online. Well, this book has told us who Snoke is, which, you know, like, I will say this. I will say this. I don't think Gallius Rax is Snoke, but they are sure doing a good job of making us think that Gallius Rax could be Snoke. I mean, right up to the very end, like one of the last chapters in the book when uh, Ray Sloan is talking about him and say sometimes talking to him is like talking to a hologram. In fact, he might as well be a hologram. And it's kind of <laughs> like you know you are if it if it comes out that Gallius Rex is Snoke, it's kind of like well that's that would be really surprising because that was so obvious and such a giveaway. We're not we're not gonna know who Snoke is or was until they want us to full on 
know who it is. And that's a bigger stretch than the Supreme Leader is wise, making everybody think it was uh, Plagueis. Right. Just because you use a certain adjective. Like yeah. The, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> the Snoke theories are entertaining, to say the least. What do you think of Gallus, though, just within these two books and not, like, is he Snoke? I, I mean, I was fascinated by the whole the Shadow Council of the Empire and secrets and keeping a fleet hidden and kind of that he was Palpatine's friend. On a first-name basis. On a, yeah, on a first-name basis. And he it's like he respects the secrecy of Palpatine. And, you know, it's like when they... The Tashu, when Tashu's uh, rescued out of prison at the end, and he says, "Oh, it's part of Palpatine always had a plan," and it's kind of like, "Yeah, he did. He all like, even going back to Phantom Menace, there was always a plan with Palpatine. Everything mm-hmm. was going according to plan, or as he is for had foreseen." And if it went off the rails, then the right person died, and he got it back on track. Right, and it's almost like Rax has learned from Palpatine: you always got to have a plan. You've always got to have, you know, and it's it's a it's a game. It's all a big chessboard, and Ray Sloan is part of this game. And you know her. And if, she, and if yep, and if she goes this way, I'm I'm like I've accounted for that. And if she goes that way, I've accounted for that. Right, exactly, um, exactly. Yeah. And I and I thought that was interesting. And I you know, and I liked that he was a very mysterious person. And I like I like the whole First Order. It's like the Empire, but it's more like a cult, and. Again, that's the thing. Like Rax is Snoke. It's they're they're doing a good job in making you think that he could be because he's introducing kind of these ideas of you know, more of a cult government. Yeah, like that was that that was an interlude too with the um, the acolytes. Yeah, right on, on Coruscant. How did, I, how did I forget to mention that? What in <laughs> so, the world was that chapter about? That was nuts. Absolutely. And that was, I would assume that was Vader's lightsaber I'd the, assume. in the basement. That, yeah. I mean, it had to be, right? Yeah. Yeah, that, oh, I forgot about that. that. was so early on. There's definitely like, um, like the Jedi, you think of the Jedi as like a religious order, and the Sith is the counter to that. We've always been told that and shown that, or at least since the prequels. But there's only ever been two of them. Now that both of them are gone, it's just kind of left to these fanatics to kind of pick up the pieces and to see the, the culture surrounding it. It's pretty awesome. Um, I, I'm not about to say that, that Rax is um, Snoke, but if Rax gets even name-dropped in 8, that would be pretty awesome. Okay. And you feel like that could actually happen now. Oh, absolutely. Because of just what they've done, and like with a character like like Sloane especially. I mean, she was in, um, uh, what was the Kanan Hera? A New Dawn. New Dawn, yep. We saw her in that. So, I mean, she could conceivably show up in Rebels. We don't know how Empire's End is going to end, but I think it'd be a shame if if Sloan was relegated to uh, just this trilogy and then we didn't see her anymore. Um, I mean, yeah, whoever thought that Force Whitaker would be playing Saw Gerrera exactly from season five of Clone Wars? So, yeah, and I definitely let uh, Celebration influence my enjoyment of this because I definitely, after seeing all the news about Thrawn. On uh, Rebels, I definitely got a Thrawn vibe from the rest, the rest of the book with with Gallus. Yeah, oh yeah, Planning and the conniving and uh, so calculated. Uh, I don't know how you couldn't kind of draw those comparisons. Absolutely. Well, at the end of Aftermath, when the mysterious Admiral walks out and is like, "Oh, it's Thrawn." Yeah, there were so many like things that thrown out there, and I did go back and reread that last chapter. Um, and it's, I mean, it's obviously Rax when you once you have the foresight of Empire's or um, 
of life debt, but it was still uh, pretty awesome. I was just going to say, I did want to get back to the uh, the new characters, though, because I feel like we're kind of doing a disservice to not talk about the the Aftermath crew, the Halo crew. Yeah. Um, and just to kick it off, who is your favorite from that group? You know, I would have to, as far as at the end of Life Debt, I would have, there were a couple times where I literally laughed out loud at Mr. Bones. <laughs> So I'm gonna have I did to. Too. I'm gonna have to go with if we're just gonna go with life debt. I'm gonna have to say I got the most enjoyment out of um, out of Mr. Bones, and I don't I don't know if it was because you met him, saw him flesh and blood in the Force Awakens, but snaps snaps Wexley. I connected more with him in this one. It know. was nice to know like what he becomes because he and he's he gets name dropped. Well, he's technically he's there, but. He's in Bloodline as well. Yeah. And yeah, that was kind of cool to know Like that's where he ends up. Um, and I liked him a lot more this time around than yeah. I did in Aftermath. He kind of had the little whiny teenager thing going on a little too a little too strong, which my favorite character had no problem pointing out multiple times in this book. I think Sinjir is my favorite. He was great. He was... And I thought... I hope I'm pronouncing that correct. I, <laughs> yeah. Yeah, I, I like his like where he comes from and what he's struggling with, his relationship with Jaws... Uh, his relationship with everybody, he seems like the, as much as Nora's the leader, uh, Sinji is kind of that center of the web in that all the characters pass through him at some point. Yeah. Uh, his, his, his hatred that becomes a friendship with uh, uh, Jom, uh, his relationship with Jazz preceding the novel, uh, his interactions with Nora, he's almost almost a father figure to Snap. Mm-hmm. Like, every everybody, I feel like, goes through Sinji, and he's so, he's got the kind of, I know Han's in this one, but he's kind of got the Han, uh, Indiana Jones, like, yeah. rugged charm thing going on. But, oh, by the way, I can size you up in two seconds and break you in three. Yeah. Like, yeah. He, he takes so he's a, incredibly dangerous at the same time. He takes a lot of pride in his imperial training of torture. <laughs> yes. Um, and I feel like, I feel like, and maybe I'm just biased because he's my favorite, I feel like he goes through the most change in this one, too. I would agree. Mr. Bones... Knocking out Han Solo, I thought was. Yeah, there's the the line when he frees, uh, um, Temin from the the box at the end. Yeah, and it was the, I will eviscerate his atoms in in response or something. I can't remember exactly. <laughs> yeah, what the line was yeah. and Temin's like, no, 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 and he's just like, Roger, Roger. Yeah. <laughs> I know we share a love of Episode One, so every time he says Roger, Roger, I yeah, that might be my favorite part of the book. Yeah. <laughs> I, when when the book came out, we we touched on this in the beginning of our chat. When the book came out, when Life Deck came out, there was a lot of stuff online. I saw of people kind of saying, "Should I read this one?" I I heard Aftermath wasn't any good. Should I give this one a try? If someone said that to you, Ryan, what would you say? Uh, I would say if you want to start putting the pieces together between Jedi and Force Awakens, this is a must. Um, I will throw out some caveats that his writing style is unique, and I'm sure there's a better literary, more brainy term I could give it, but uh, present tense or whatever it's called, it it absolutely takes some getting used to. There's going to be some things that seem weird, and some people, like myself, are fascinated by the interludes, and some people get distracted by them. Um, So I would throw out some caveats that you're going to have to deal with this, and you're going to have to deal with that. But if you want to know, you want to start putting those pieces together of... How did we get from Return of the Jedi to The Force Awakens? Right now, these this soon-to-be trilogy is your best bet. And 
I think most people probably want to start putting those pieces together. I would say read both of them. Because for me, now I look at Aftermath as, that's the introduction. You're, mm-hmm. you're introduced to all these characters, and they t- it takes its time in introducing these characters. And I feel like by the time you get to Life Debt, if you read both of them, you're used to his writing style, and you're used to the Definitely. interludes. It's a great part two, in my opinion, because it pays off a lot of things that were set up in part one. And I feel almost with the help of Force Awakens being out, and you... Definitely. Like even the stuff with Leia being pregnant and her fear or hope for her child, it gives things more weight. And the Galleys Rack stuff. If you want to believe that that's Snoke, you can have a great time reading the book thinking, oh my God, they're setting up Snoke. Or if you want to debate it with your friends being like, no way would they, like we're doing. You can do that. And that's part of the fun of being a Star Wars fan. And it always has been. The debate. Oh, for sure. Is Darth Vader Luke's father? There's no way he's Luke's father. He's lying. Why would Obi-Wan lie? That's That's been going on <laughs> for, right. for 40 years. And it's great that they're keeping that going. And even in the books, like, getting us talking. I had a great time reading Life Debt. Yeah, I got there eventually. But yes, I, I did too. Um, and now I am tenfold... The excitement I had for Life Debt, I'm tenfold the excitement for Empire's End. So what do you think? What's your predictions? What do you, what do you think will happen in Empire's End? What do you hope happens? Well, Life Debt uh, ended up being pretty literal um, as far as the title. Mm-hmm. So I, I'm left to assume that Empire's End will also be pretty literal. There were some ties here to Bloodline, so I'd love to see some further ties uh, when the Empire ends and Maz's prediction comes true. That those seeds that that came to fruition more or less in Bloodline are planted in Empire's End. I'd like to see that. Mm-hmm. Um, I would like to see, um, you know, as much as I'd love Nora and company to take out uh, Rax, I really want Sloane to take out Rax. So I'd, whatever battle confrontation, whatever happens there, you know, we've established that Luke is not going to be there. But what other classic characters could could get pulled out? for empires and that'll be interesting to see as well yeah definitely these characters are so great and they're in such bizarre places uh at the end of this book that it'll be interesting to see what brings them back together and how the whole thing wraps up i'm really curious what the heck is happening on jakku (sighs) yeah why jakku as the battle uh, Palpatine saying this place was a, important a thousand years ago and it'll be important again. And there's droids digging for digging something up, yeah. on Jakku. And did you see the thing where the uh, Ray's scavenger journal book that came out around Christmas for intended for kids? I, I know what you're talking about, but I've not actually read it. It's yeah, my daughter has it, and I was uh-huh. I, I read this thing online. And I was like, what the heck? And I went out and got the book, and there's a whole chapter where. She's talking about an area on Jakku where some people in very old Imperial uniforms guard it still to the time of The Force Awakens. And no one's allowed in there. And it's like a cave and no one's allowed in there. And Ray's just like, well, I'm like not. the Forbidden Zone in Planet of the Apes. Yeah, Ray's like, I'm not going in there. Yeah, they got the bomb in there. That's the mutants. Um, uh, well, something, right? So. Some- it's got to be some sort of Sith or Force artifact, I would think. And it, it, if, if Sheev is interested in it, and it um, makes me wonder: <laughs> is is that part of the reason why Ray was taken to Jakku? Oh. 
Yeah, and that's and that's what I'm. Ta- that's what I, that's like I was talking about. It oh makes, man, it makes you think. Like, well, was Ray taken to that planet for a very particular reason? Because we still don't know who took her there. No, we don't. I don't know. All very, very, very interesting. It was Gallius. Man. So. Now, see, now you got me all... <laughs> you're trying to wrap this up, and now you got me all, all worked up. Well, I don't know. I, and that's the thing, too. I don't think anyone... It's, it, it's, it's like all part twos, the good part twos and trilogies. No way anyone can watch that or read that and not see or read the part three. I don't think anyone who reads Life Debt... If you ask them, are you going to read Empire's End? I don't think there's anybody be like, eh, maybe. You know? yeah, at this point, yeah, you're, you're pot committed. Yeah, I, I will definitely be reading Empire's End. Yeah, Right, and the stuff with Jakku and all that stuff, I mean, that's just, I mean, we talked about it before, but that's just the tip of the cap to Pablo and the story group. Oh, yeah, Kiri Hart, this is Pablo all, Hidalgo. None of this is by accident. Yeah, None of this is just Czech Windig. I mean, he might be throwing in his own little things here and there, but none of this big... Like what's on Jakku? That's not him just doing whatever he wants. That's part of the the bigger picture. Exactly. People, if people want to find out more about you or positively nerdy, where do they go? Uh, you can go all sorts of places. There's a positively nerdy Facebook page. There's uh, positively nerdy is the handle on Twitter. Uh, if you search for the podcast, if uh, Blast Points is, uh, I mean, hey, it's only it's great, but it's only once a week. You got to listen to something else. Might as well listen to Blast <laughs> or uh, Positively Nerdy, which is the name of the podcast. And, uh, yeah, it's, uh, hope you check it out. Enjoy, uh, comics, movies, Star Wars, Star Trek, whatever I feel like, um, I'm going to be talking about it over at Positively Nerdy. That's fantastic. Yeah. And I encourage everyone to go check it out. Subscribe to his show, like the Facebook page, the whole thing. And there's a whole episode on Bloodline. If, uh, you dug my thoughts on this, uh, go back and check out the Bloodline episode. Well, Ryan, thank you very much for doing this tonight. Uh, like I said, a genuine pleasure. Thank you so much for having me on. Yeah, I just want to thank Ryan from Positively Nerdy one more time for that great talk about life debt. You're going to want to tune in to Blast Points next week, where it's going to be a special interview episode with Dunk from Club Jade. It's a great chat where we talk about absolutely everything I think there is to talk about. Star Wars, novels, fandom, fans. Yeah, definitely tune in next week for that interview with Dunk from Club Jade. And in the meantime, you can head over to iTunes and leave us a five-star review. Say a little something. I will read your review on an upcoming show. You can talk to Blast Points over at Twitter. We're at Blast underscore points. You should like our Blast Points Facebook page, and you can also check us out on Instagram. And you can read some of the Star Wars stuff that I write over on DoomRocket.com. I do pieces on Star Wars and Clone Wars recaps and all that stuff. Yeah, and after after the Dunk interview episode and after my crazy two weeks that are currently going on are done, we'll be back to normal with another episode where I will happily be joined by Gabe once again. So yeah, on behalf of episode 31 of Blast Points, thanks for listening and we'll see you next week. May the Force be with you. Goodbye, old friend. May the Force be with you.
Master, we're short on time. We need a navigator to get us through the planet's core. This Gungan may be of help. What is to become of Jar Jar Binks here? He seemed to be punished. I saved his life. He owes me what you call a life debt. <laughs>